Welcome to the Operate Intelligently Podcast. This is Tony Butler. I'm joined with my host, Bob Papadou-Bittman. Bob, how are you today? I'm doing good, Tony. Hope you're doing well. And uh, it's, it's really a beautiful day outside today. And uh, we're so fortunate here in, in North Carolina. The trees are all blooming. The pollen is starting to fall. Don't overdo it, Bob. My allergies are acting up, <laughs> so I'm just, it just feels like a normal march to me. Not everybody's as fortunate as we are, right? I know there's still a lot of snow, a lot of cities covered in snow out there in the uh, Midwest and up north. Well, Tony, today I'm really excited because we're, we're going to do a, a little different program than what we've typically done in the past, again. And um, we have with us in our studio today... Chris DeJunas, who is one of our application engineers around our IT suite, our IT product line. And we affectionately call him around here DJ. So DJ, welcome. Thank you very much. And um, if, if you ever get to meet DJ in person, there's an experience here that you're just going to, you're going to fall in love with him because uh, his energy level is just kind of over the top. And uh, when he gets involved and when he gets wrapped up, uh, the, DJ, this is supposed to be a 20-minute uh, <laughs> webcast, okay? And uh, but he his uh, he's very passionate about what he does, very knowledgeable, and 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 DJ, we're just really excited that you're here with us today. And what I'd like to ask our audience to do, and and you've heard me say this before, that um, we we need to have a tighter connection within our facilities group and our IT uh, organization. And I fully believe that we have the same problems, the same issues, the same challenges. That's why this makes this so applicable today. We just may be talking a different vocabulary. And so uh, we wanted to bring Chris in today because uh, we do address IT infrastructure issues and problems and solutions uh, here at the Dude. And I wanted to talk and, and get his perspective on that. And, and maybe we can dive into a little bit of that, uh, those, uh, those vocabulary differences a little bit, DJ. Uh, so we're just, we're just really glad for you to be here today with us. Absolutely. Thank you, Tony and Bob. I appreciate it. And I'm glad you brought it up, the vocabulary uh, point of view, because earlier this week, we actually did a uh, webcast with one of our partners. And the theme that we presented on was automation, which I know something from the facility side is... Uh, you're living and breathing every day. Right. How can you be more efficient? And as I was preparing for the webcast, it really just struck me that, you know what, this is something that we're going to be seeing more of on the automation side, uh, on the technology. Yeah, I think it's a common theme in a lot of different departments or organizations. Uh, we have to do more with less. And I think automation is, is one of the keys to doing that. Um, you know, one of the challenges that we've talked about them being similar challenges with uh, facility teams is they're, they're losing staff and they're expected to do more. Um, what are you hearing as you're talking to clients and folks uh, out in the field, what are some of the challenges they're experiencing when it comes to um, the tech world? Yeah. And a lot of it is going to be the same. The resources really are not increasing mm -hmm. across the board in education. I don't think it really matters what department you're in. And I'll actually bring up a stat that we used in a, from a government publication related to educational technology that we presented in the um, webcast we did earlier this week. But 25% uh, of technology departments have seen an uh, increase in their resources or in their budget over the past three to five years. What that really means is 75% have not. Yeah. So if 75% have not, I think we can all agree probably 100% have seen more technology, let's say Chromebooks, laptops, 
uh, mobile devices, more of those are showing up at their doorstep each and every month. So if we're not increasing their resources to handle these uh, increases, they are still being expected to provide the same level of customer service. How are they going to do that? You know, you talk about the 25% that are seeing an increase, and that may just be due to the fact that five or six years ago, they were really decimated with a lot of budget cuts across all of our vertical lines. The crash in 2008 just put infrastructure on hold and people weren't being backfilled. So it's not surprising to me that we're seeing that, uh, that some of it's starting to come back, but it probably still is a deficit to what is really needed. I imagine too, I mean, with the increase of technology that all of us have, you know, especially our, I know our students, my daughter is 15, she has an iPhone, she wants a tablet, I haven't gotten her one, but those are things that she's using at the school. My daughter, my youngest daughter, seven, she actually, uh, you know, they have classroom iPads. So it's hard for me to even believe that that's, that, that that's happening. They're not given the resources yeah. to manage a lot of that. Yep. That technology mix, I mean, you talk about three different devices right there. Mm-hmm. When you look at the public sector, when you're talking about public K through 12, for example, um, we're talking about one technician being responsible for over a thousand devices. Um, And that's on this, that's the small end. I'm sure there's educators out there right now in the ed tech department that laughed when I said one to a thousand because they would love if they only had to deal with a thousand devices. When you compare that to here, for example, I mean, how many people do we have in our IT department providing support to us? They maybe only have you know, one to 25 ratio on the high end of devices they're responsible for. Um, so you're exactly right. And back to Bob's point, he hit the nail on the head. As the money came back into the infrastructure side, we've seen all of these devices pouring into the schools and the institutions across the board. And it's interesting because all of a the sudden there's these new funding programs, right? You've got Title I, you've got E-Rate. Uh, special grants locally now from corporations or groups that want to help provide. Well, now we're kind of coming to an end of that era, and now we're being asked to be responsible for what we're doing. Show what we did with that. Uh, We gave you all of this money. Now we need you to prove that you've been using it equitably and responsibly across uh, the district. Well, it's a huge challenge, and it's a huge challenge for uh, even our facility people that have to support some of this infrastructure. Maybe it's new wiring, maybe it's space for some infrastructure items and so forth. So understanding and our our facility folks are also being challenged with a lot of IT infrastructure knowledge and how do I respond? Do I give my technicians an iPhone? Do I give them an Android? Do I give them a tablet? What's the best device? I'm seeing a great turnover. I get a device today and tomorrow it's obsolete. Uh, can you can you talk a little bit about the challenge out there of obsoleting technology and how fast it's changing? Absolutely, and it's directly impacted some of the offerings that we have here uh, at the Dude. Uh, Tony can relate. Just a few years ago, we had an uh, asset discovery tool used in the IT side of things uh, that was something called an agent-client relationship, meaning I need to install something on every device that I want to discover on this network, and that's fine. Now, when you get into public education, and I've got 10 different operating systems, and I may have an 11th showing up based off of whoever decided to buy the newest machines, that becomes too much to handle. That becomes very 
bulky, time-consuming. Very getting, cumbersome. Yeah, and getting back to you, you may not even have the skill set of employees to handle that type of operation. As a result, we did away with that offering, and now we go with more of a lightweight network scan. It handles a lot of different operating systems. It can scale and evolve with some of the other ones out there because it's using a series of industry standard scans and probes. So not only do our customers have to deal with that, but what we do to support them and who we can bring to support that is directly impacted as well. DJ, how do you see organizations as a whole handling bring-your-own-device types? I mean, I know even here at The Dude, uh, a few years ago, we were all provided a cell phone. Uh, uh, we, if we had problems with it, we went to the help desk and they helped us work through those issues. It was a pain if we wanted to change a plan or add somebody to it. Uh, and so they just went away and started giving us an allowance for our cell phone and said, here, you go take care of it yourself. Uh, what do you see in out there as far as supporting and changing of those devices? That, but I still need it to work with all my applications that I have here at work. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a real challenge that all IT departments are dealing with. And one of the more interesting examples that I can think of is at our user conference here in Raleigh last year, uh, you know, we had public, private, higher education, but we also had a lot of our uh, senior living, some of our other facilities, employees and directors at one of the courses I did. And an example I'd never thought of, somebody in senior living was now in a competitive situation with some of their uh, other senior living homes in the area because they were being asked, what sort of technology can you provide to, to your customers? Right. So we're right. talking about an older generation now who's even coming into facilities. Now watch facilities. it, you're talking about me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I thought I handled that pretty well. Yeah, you did. But, but somebody like yourself, right? The more you start moving up, you're going to expect more from facilities because you've had this type of technology available. So this gentleman was in a situation where five years ago, he would have never thought that how much bandwidth can you provide to your clients, to your customers in the senior living facility uh, would be a conversation he was having trying to, you know, gain their business. Well, you know, you get you get into situations like that and, and uh, where families are separated from one another. Grandma's in a home somewhere. Mm -hmm. They want to have FaceTime or Skype with, with their grandkids every night. And you've got a, a, a proliferation of organization that has multiple of those. How do you handle all yeah. that streaming at one time and, and uh, allow a good experience, I think, as, as much as anything exactly. right there? And that's one of the things in, you asked, you know, what do you see about the bring your own device? And the question is always, you know, what are you trying to do? In their case, uh, for senior living, it was always going to be a bring-your-own-device situation, right? They're not going to be providing uh, devices for the customers. There may be a lounge or a lab or something available, but it's funny. What the demand really was was not for uh, the individual user. It was that their grandkids were more likely to come visit them oh, wow. if they were able to bring the devices and still be able to check online or get on Twitter or any social media while still visiting. So it was, a, it was a perspective I had never really heard before, and it got great conversation that's, going. That's pretty cool. I think it's interesting, too. You mentioned five years ago. They wouldn't even be thinking mm -hmm. about this. So, right. you know, times have changed fast. Technology has changed, and, and how we use it is changing. And I, and I can't imagine what we're going to be talking about in the next five years mm -hmm. when it comes to the challenges we're facing, networking, uh, how quickly we're delivering uh, services to, to our folks yeah. who are actually staying in our facilities. Because it's interesting, on the opposite side of the coin, you know, education's been in this 
space for a while with the technology coming in. Right. They've needed to get more done with less. So we've almost seen the opposite response. From an education standpoint, bring your own device sounded amazing for a while, right? There's some people right now who are cringing just thinking about the experiences that they went through with bring your own device because what we found was it really hammers the bandwidth. You lose control over management of those devices. If you don't have a platform that can help you manage the traffic, mm -hmm. the bare minimum of the traffic that's handling there, if I can't protect my end users from the traffic or protect my institution from the traffic that's being used by my network or on my network, um, it really opens a lot of doors and there's a lot of information available in education that we can't have leaking out. I'm curious what uh, decision makers or, or people who are uh, making choices on budget, I mean, what's their understanding of the challenges that that their organization is facing when it comes to maybe controlling the network uh, or issues and challenges that come with opening up the network to BYOD. Yeah. And the budgetary conversation does get interesting. I spend almost all of my time trying to convince people, you know, bottom line, 200 Dells that you may purchase looks a lot cheaper than 200 Lenovo's. But the total cost of ownership for a program like that is really going to flesh out over time. And that block of Lenovo's is actually going to cost less based on the maintenance and based off of the repair that's going to happen. The same is true for your network, except it's a living entity, essentially. So budgetary is a component, mm -hmm. but you can't be blinded by it because when you end up having to ask yourself, is this open network that I may not have the necessary tools or skills to fully manage and secure, is that worth losing data or potentially some sort of ransomware experience, you know, that's happening across the board now. Um, so it is a tough conversation to have. Luckily, they can get funding for some things. Nowadays, um, E-rate funding has been changed a bit. Mm -hmm. Under the previous administration, E-rate funding was updated to include uh, Wi-Fi infrastructure to go along with the physical infrastructure uh, to public institutions. So as a result, people who are very savvy about getting this funding and using it now are able to save a bit on the infrastructure side, and they're rolling those savings into purchasing the devices from a district level because it does allow them to maintain that security and integrity from a more granular standpoint. You know, DJ, you kind of uh, addressed there the idea of really it's total cost of ownership, and we talk a lot about that in the facilities mm -hmm. area of evaluating and so often, particularly with our public sector, uh, first cost versus total cost of ownership and, and helping people understand that kind of the long term. And, uh, you know, we've, we've heard a lot of stuff uh, going on in the industry around security and you just mentioned that and, and it used to be not too long ago that when we heard of hacking, it really was just people seeing what they can do, yeah. just experiencing, just getting in. And then we find out then people are starting to do some things that are wrong, immoral, illegal, and getting into that. So we've had to take a whole new look at the security aspect of it. We're going we're gonna to treat that in, a, in another uh, session, uh, both from a, a physical and a IT infrastructure security issue. But if you can just t touch briefly about that aspect of it today because you, you talk about senior living if people are there and they're getting into their banking online you know a lot of people prey on older people 
to try to give them account information or get into their accounts so they can drain a lot of money and maybe they weren't as sharp as they once were to to understand those things. Can Absolutely. You? And you brought, you bring up many interesting points there. I mean, I got the call from my uncle a few weeks back asking if I was in jail because somebody had called my grandmother. Yeah. You know, oh, wow. saying that you need oh that your, your grandson's in jail and needs to be bailed out. So, I mean, it happens even on a bare a basic technology phone level. Luckily, he lives with her, so he's able to take care of that. But when you bring that to a digital perspective, and we're being asked to do so much in our daily jobs, day in and day out, the thing everybody overlooks is still one of the biggest security holes out there. Don't click on a link that you don't know where it came from. It's that simple. And I've seen some uh, educational institutions taking some very interesting, um, almost fun type of approaches to help educate their customers. So what they're doing is they're taking a basic application and uh, they're basically just hosting it on a website. The application doesn't do anything. It might just pull up a picture. But what they're doing is they're sending out emails to all of the teachers, faculty, and staff. And they can tell whoever clicks on the link, it's going to install that application on the back end of the machine. And they do it after having a meeting and going over best practices and warning them about these types of things. Well, I mean, even with a solution like ours, I can very quickly run a report and see which machines that software is on. That's a list of who clicked on the link. So then you call those people in for a second meeting and you let them know, hey, look, it didn't do anything malicious this time, but here's a list of you that did click on the link. We have proof of it. We need to stop this sort of behavior. So, so it's an eye-opening moment. Is this moment. kind of a, hey, you idiots? <laughs> it's a very politically <laughs> correct way of doing it, yeah. right? So it's having the ability to track that and see who did it uh, because we know where these holes exist. But at the same time, it's very easy to click on an email that what you thought was a reputable source because it's so easy to fake something like that right. nowadays. Right. We can't keep up with all the different methods out there. But for somebody to infect most of our workstations, they're still going to take a few basic approaches, either clicking on a link relying on you, putting something into a drive that you shouldn't, or you downloading something you yeah. shouldn't have. So, and it's the same in education. So, DJ, what did you do to get thrown in jail? <laughs> that's, so for that's, next, that's for the next oh, okay. uh, security-related we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, podcast. We'll go there later, right? <laughs> but uh, uh, I hope you just said, no, I wasn't in jail, but you can send me money anyhow. Yeah, exactly. Here's my address, not somebody else's address. Well, this is a, this is an extremely um, uh, exciting conversation and uh, we've kind of come to the end of our time, but I just want to uh, open up the, the idea to our audience, you know, that there's more things alike between facilities and IT. Some of the same challenges, you know, IT might be really focused on the security aspect of the internet and band tra traffic and all that kind of stuff, while our facility guys are really focused on security, physical security, aspect how people gain access into the facility and a lot of very similar things just as kind of we talk about on the front end of the program a different vocabulary yeah i think a lot of um, you know their mission of each organization or of each department facilities and technology or it is to serve the people that work within that organization that are in that facility so it, i think there's a lot of overlap exactly and so really appreciate you being here today and kind of sharing from that perspective and uh, what I'd like to just challenge you folks out there to do today is, is uh, go to your IT folks after you've gotten done listening to this podcast together and uh, go to lunch and uh, just talk about some of the similarities, some of the things that are very similar in the challenges that you have 
and the approach to your work and the need to to automate, the need to document, the need to uh, create strong processes and procedures, and the uh, ability to understand the knowledge base that you need in your organization. So you can go kind of as a united front to the organization uh, as as opposed to being a fractured and doing it kind of independently and learn from each other because there are so many things that are alike and not different. So uh, again, DJ, thank you for being here. Tony, good to see you again. You as well. And uh, we, we will uh, continue this discussion from a security, more in-depth security uh, discussion uh, at a later date. So thanks for being with us today, folks. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to the Operate Intelligently podcast. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review, and you can even email us at dspodcast at dudesolutions.com.